right, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Love and Color, the Pride Edition. This is Eli in the studio alongside Dr. Katrina. Peace and blessings, y'all. All right. And today we are here talking about coming out. And yes, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of versions of that over uh, the course of my life, I suppose. But, uh, you know, coming out as being ethically non-monogamous is something that maybe maybe not everyone listening to this podcast is queer, but uh, perhaps a lot of you are and perhaps a lot of more of you are ethically non-monogamous and have had to come out as ethically non-monogamous or, or are thinking about coming out as ethically non-monogamous. So we're here to talk about that today and how to do that and and maybe some of the pitfalls and some of the benefits and uh, and yeah, just all the just just the journey. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. What about you, Dr. Katrina? Do you have any uh, fun coming out stories? Hmm. To share with us to <clears throat> celebrate Pride. Um, let's see what I got here. Um, so yes, definitely have had to come out as queer in my um, I think my late teens um, is when that happened. Early twenties, college. Uh, <laughs> I feel free, everyone. I'm a lesbian, uh, <laughs> and that was cool. But also the non-monogamy piece. You know, I think. Some some people choose not to, um, which is totally fine. But for me, you know, I knew that this was the way that I wanted to live my life. And I didn't want to be, especially after coming out queer, I didn't ever want to be in the closet again for who I am or how I live my life. So I chose to come out um, to my family and, you know, I let my mom know first. And, man, I'm telling you, no matter what, over the years, my mama... No matter what I came to her with, she was like, okay, I got you. Let's go. You know, like she has been totally non-judgmental. her and my father. And they, they've been so amazing and loving. So, you know, my mom took the queer stuff. My whole family took the queer stuff pretty well. Um, and then with the non-monogamy, you know, the, I think the first question she had was like, it was, and it was like profound, but short. She was just like, Why? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's actually a really good question. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> why? Uh, <laughs> like, first question, I was like, cool, I can answer that. And, you know, we went from there. Um, and she has been, and my whole family, you know, my nuclear family and my extended family, on my dad's and my mom's side, um, have been very cool just very welcoming you know I think they're just kind of used to me coming through and being like hey everybody guess what <laughs> I feel that that resonates with me it really does <laughs> so they they totally took it in stride I I had you know when I had two partners um I took them home for um to meet my family for holidays and stuff like that and you know and then we had the baby and and so then I had you know both partners and and the baby coming home to meet my family it was wonderful they got to watch my family grow and they got to see how I lived my life not in the traditional monogamous way and it's it's been really cool for me it's 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 worked out very well I'm very lucky my family has just been like beautifully supportive but I know a lot of other people don't have that experience. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, as I said, that what you said before about your family just being used to you doing things and that are a little bit outside of the norm. So when you came to them with, uh, with the news that you were ethically non-monogamous, they just sort of took it in their stride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's pretty much the same with me. Okay. Um, I came out as queer, I, I think I was maybe 15 or 16, <laughs> and it was to my mom, and it was actually, well, it was, it was to a friend of mine first. Oh, no, actually, it was a <laughs> no, no, no. It was to a friend of mine first, and I was 14, and I was in Canada, and uh, I think I, yeah, yeah, anyway, I was in Canada, and I had this long, rambling conversation with her because I was afraid to get to the point, mm-hmm. right? But these were international <laughs> minutes, right? At the, at, at the time, we were on like a landline. So this, this is an international phone call. Yeah. And I am beating around all of the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> finally, I just come right out and tell her and she's just like, oh my God, really? It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And I kind of suspected anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I was like, okay, well, that's messed up. Now I've wasted all these all this time on my my phone card and uh <laughs> you know, it's really not that big of a deal. So, anyway, that that was, you know, in as an early teenager, and so there were, you know, various comings out, you know, conversations between then and now. And mm-hmm. You know, at this point, I just, I, I don't care as much, right? Um, so I don't, I don't fear the judgment in the same way that I did when I was a child. And of course, there was a lot more yeah, at stake. Of course, you know, because at that point, you know, you're queer. You're telling your parents. You're risking losing your your stability stability yeah your you know your emotional stability your your parents love and acceptance um so it it felt like a high Mm -hmm. stakes game um fortunately my family is pretty chill and um has always been very openly uh supportive of me um and i'm fortunate for that um so and I and I recognize that that is not everyone's story, and and also at the time that I was coming out, I was also living in the Bay Area, <laughs> so <laughs> is you know, a very different, um, yeah. very different place um, than everyone uh, has access to at that point in their lives. So, fast forward to maybe just I don't know, fifteen years ago really is when my you know ex-wifey and I started opening up our relationship and at that point we kept the circle who knew really small and it was just close friends and people that we were trying to be in a relationship with mm-hmm. but we weren't telling our families um, we weren't telling coworkers or um, sort of peripheral friends right? yeah and you know, I don't know. I think I think that at that point it was because we were concerned about what people felt yeah. or thought and um were concerned about professional repercussions. Um right. and her family is really conservative. My family not so much. I just wasn't telling my family because 
they knew that my marriage was kind of rocky anyway and I didn't I didn't want to tell them for that reason. Yeah. It wasn't so much the ethical non-monogamy itself. It was the fact that we were in a like shaky marriage and then being ethically non-monogamous. That was the part where I was like, yeah, I don't really want to have that conversation. Bring on more judgment. <laughs> you know you what say? I mean? No. <laughs> no. No thanks. Right. Just pass right. pass the no whiskey need. and it's fine. Let's keep eating and it's fine. <laughs> um anyway, so after though, after ex-wifey and I divorced and then I started dating that's the point where I was just very open to everybody mm-hmm. in my life. Like, hey, this is how I'm operating. Yeah. You know, mom, dad, cousins, aunties, friends, coworkers, everybody like, here it is. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, you know, I might be at an event with one partner one time and I might be at an event with another partner another time. And, you know, we're just going to keep it moving. Um, yeah. And then I brace myself for the onslaught of questions. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> there judgments. will be questions yeah. and there will be judgments. Right. Um, and at this point, I feel like after coming out and coming out and coming out and coming out for decades, I have multiple layers of armor between the world and gives a fuck, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't care as much now. So. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Well, but what are some of the reasons why you think it's worthwhile to come out? And and that could mean come out as queer or come out as ethically non-monogamous or, you know, come out as whatever it is, whatever it is you are. Yeah. I mean, I... Having felt so stifled before coming out with any identity, just feeling the difference between what it felt like to be stifled and to not be stifled. Um, Let's be real. We made up this society. We made up this language. We made up everything, right? Rules. Like Mm -hmm. we made up everything. So why are we, not why, I know why, but we we get so stuck in doing what we've always done because we at least know how to how to do that, how to deal with that, what consequences might come of right. that, right? But when you start moving into spaces where you are doing things that feel right for you, you have to create your own way. Yeah. You are the architect of that thing. That's what makes it beautiful and frightening, frankly. Exactly. Yeah. And that that right there to me is is key to be able to be the architect of your own destiny, whatever that looks like. And I know that we're always going to have judgment. There's always going to be something that comes up from other people because other people don't understand you. They're not you. They can't possibly understand everything, right? But that doesn't mean that what you want to do for yourself uh, isn't okay. And and you should do it. And and there there are consequences, but there's consequences for everything in life. So wouldn't you rather be dealing with consequences from you being open and free about who you are versus being stuck and stifled in this little box? And I I I just couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it anymore. And for me, that's the reason why why people should come out. You know, whatever identity it is that you feel like society's gonna judge, just be you. That's how you're going to live your life and be proud of it. 
And in addition, if I think about it on the spiritual and the health side, if you are stifling yourself along with having certain chakras blocked, which, you know, can cause a lot of damage to the body, but also the stress and the frustration and resentment that comes with it, man, those feelings affect our body not just on a spiritual level, not just on a mental level with negative thoughts, but on a physical level. Stress moves to physical health issues. So that means that by you stifling yourself, you are therefore the cause of your health issues, of your disease. Just even if you think about it on that level, like is it worth stifling yourself to sickness so that you don't have to deal with other people's judgment and the consequences of how they feel about how you're living your life. Right. Like I, I thought about it like that and I was like, yep, there, there's no, no other answer then for me to come out and be who I am. Right. But in addition to that, I also understand that like my family and my network has been beautiful about it. And, and I'm surrounding myself with people who understand who I am. Right. Um, but not everybody has that opportunity. Right. Can have that space, has that family. Right. And so I also understand, you know, I think there are levels to coming out, not even levels, because that implies, you know, up versus down, um, but areas of coming out. And you, you take the steps you need to for you. Mm-hmm. Like Eli said earlier, mm, we didn't tell our families right away. Right. That's a boundary and a step right. step that you took that that was supportive of you being okay as you were figuring out the stuff with your wife and the nominee. Right. And so don't be afraid to do that as well. Well, I mean, the bottom line is not everyone needs to know everything. Right? Word. Not, the world is not entitled to your inner life. Mm-hmm. You can share what you want to share when you want to share it and with whom. Um, so that you do, you do get to set, set those boundaries and I'm not one for outing people in whatever respect. Right. I mean, that, that is their news to share if they want to. Um, I, I do feel like that, that outing thing. And I, I know that there's a movement for that. Not, not maybe not so much for not for ethically non-monogamous folks, but I know there's a movement for outing queer people hmm. um, by other queer people, oh, right? that's uh, extreme. <laughs> it, it does seem a little witch hunty, but, <laughs> but the, um, the, the rationale behind it is that you shouldn't be hiding. I, I I'm get not hiding. That. You shouldn't be hiding. We need to move the, 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 bo- the ball forward, and we can't do that if, if prominent queer people are in the closet. It's like pushing you off of a cliff. Here you go. Right? I don't I don't think that's fair. You know, everybody gets to do do no. things on their own timeline in a right. way that feels genuine to them. And and again, they get to share with who they want to share or to share the news with. I don't I don't need to know I don't need confirmation that Queen Latifah is queer. Like I don't need her to, or I, I don't yeah. need these people to to come out of the closet for my benefit. Like they get to live their lives how they mm-hmm. want to live it, right? But I I I think I I don't agree with the method, okay? But I understand the rationale behind it. Yes, and I think that. In there is another kernel of why it's important to come out, and that is to create a safe space 
and or or to expand mm-hmm. the safe space. Right. Because I've certainly had conversations with people about my queerness or about me being ethically non-monogamous that has opened up space for them to share that query with me that like, mm-hmm. gee, you know, I have been struggling with these feelings or I have these questions. I don't have anyone else to to talk to, but because I have been willing to share myself with them, I've now given them space, right? Yeah. A safe space to, to be and to ask questions and, exactly. and to be vulnerable, right? So I think that there's value in that, you know, in terms of coming out. I absolutely agree. But it has to be your choice. It should be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think another one with and and well, you know what? I don't. I was going to start to say that this is one um, specifically for ethically non-monogamous folks, but I withdraw that because I feel like there's a pretty uh, clear parallel um, for queer relationships as well. Mm -hmm. And what I was going to say is. If you are maintaining a relationship, um, be it a queer relationship or an ethically non-monogamous relationship, and you are keeping that secret to that person or persons that you are involved with, that could feel really hurtful. You know, like they are being erased or that they're not important. You know, you don't you're ashamed of them or you are ashamed of that part of you. Yeah. So that, you know. Many That's relationships a- struggle with the coming out mm-hmm. stuff, whether it's queer or, or um, poly or, or whatever it is. Right. Um, many do. And I've definitely in my past have had instances where I have dated someone who wasn't open about a certain part of their identity, especially to their family. Right. And that bothered the heck out of me. And And for some of the reasons that you mentioned, but also like, Family is important to me and to be my most authentic self. Like we we probably feel like we can't be our most authentic selves in most places. Right. But for me, that was the place where I could be all of me. And for us, it, for me, it was important that you're, if we're together and we're growing a life together, that your family understands who you are and how you're living your life so that they they know you. And that's my own judgment, right? That but that's how I feel. I and feel so yeah. when I was in some of these relationships that didn't last long, you know, because of that, it it didn't feel good. And and no judgment, you know, again, like we said, you know, keep close to you what what you want and tell who you want when you want, all those things, right? right. But for me that didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. It again, feeling stifled, mm-hmm. right? It was like being put back in a box, but not because I wasn't willing to be open. Mm, that's even worse. You're you're someone else is boxing you in. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what are there any tools or 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 tips that you give your your clients or anyone listening here that is struggling with a partner who is not wanting to be out. Yeah. Sure, I think first and foremost, are you okay with it? Like maybe you know, you have issues with it, but you're like, okay, if that's the way you want to live your life, if that's the first choice right there. 
Like, are you okay with it or not with this being a thing? And knowing that in the future, it may not change. Ooh, that part. That's the first thing you ask yourself. And if you say, "Mm, no, I don't know, I don't think I can, then, you know, that's something to really like ponder and sit with. Because for me, it bothered me so much Mm. that I knew that I couldn't live a long-term life like that. Okay. Um, Yeah. So that's the first thing I would say. Um, and it is it is difficult in American society to be who you are and not feel attacked or judged. And we put so much time and effort into all the external things around us yeah. that like really checking back in with yourself and with your self-love, you know, and, and what does that look like for you to live your life? Like really feeling that love and not basing it on what everybody else says or what everybody else is going to do, but like how you want to be. Right. How can you be at peace in your life? How can you find joy? What does that look like for you? So that, all right, my next question for you is going to be, and I, I think that you gave part of what you just said might have might even answer this question but what counsel would you give to the other person in this in the scenario like the the partner who is afraid or unwilling or unsure of how to come out yeah i mean really delving into the why yeah. what is it that you're worried about and Often in session, I'll be like, okay, let's do worst case scenario. Mm. What is the worst case scenario you can think of for this that you fear? And someone will, you know, they'll let me know. And then when we know what the worst case scenario is, okay, well, let's problem solve for that. Let's plan for that. Nice. If, if you want to come out, right? Like if you want to one day be able to just be you with your family, you don't have to do it now. But how can we plan for that for you? Like, for instance, if this person's family holds money over them or provides some kind of financial stability, well, of course you're not going to say anything. You don't want to rock the boat. However, if you truly want to feel free to be you someday, then making a plan for how you can get yourself to be able to be financially stable enough to be good and, and to prepare that and set that up ahead of time, that may take months. It, it might take longer than that, or maybe it takes a few weeks, but that's okay. But plan for what you think the inevitable, like, worst thing is going to be so that when and if that happens, you're prepared. And if that doesn't happen, and that is the worst thing you could think of to happen, yeah. then the other things might flow through a little little easier because right. you've planned. Right. Potentially, right? So. That's what I would say to the other person is first, like, do you do you want to be able to be you like completely and fully? And some people are okay with compartmentalizing. That's fine. That's totally fine. But what do you want? How do you want to live your life? And, you know, how can I help you move through that? And with the non-monogamy stuff, I've seen so many individuals and a lot of couples who are like in it. Like they, they like it. They're trying to figure it out. And some of them come out to their families. Some of them don't. But mm-hmm. I have many a conversations about this. And I just want everybody to know that like you aren't alone. There are so many people who are either participating in this kind of a lifestyle or who want to and who are having conversations. 
And because we we feel so worried and so stifled, we don't talk about it. Right. But know that people are are thinking about it and doing it and living their lives. And, you know, it's it's not to me. It's a beautiful way to live your life. And. African ancestors, people on other continents have been living this kind of life, not in the way that we do, because we focus on love. And we're like, okay, I love this person. We're we're getting married. And a lot of other societies, they thought about how these communities coming together could support each other and what that looked like. And so this isn't new. It's not new people doing this. So the, the bias that's out there, you know, needs to get to step in because this has been happening. And it's high time that we're pretty open about being able to live the way that we want to live, who we are and all the things. In my my opinion. Yeah, strong agree. And, <laughs> and in fact, when I came out to my mother as ethnically non-monogamous, she was just like, well, you know, your grandfather had <laughs> nope. had two families. Papa and, was you know. a rolling stone. <laughs> so she she <laughs> she just she just fit me in the in the historical context. You know, she was just mm-hmm. like, oh well, you know. That's what our family does. <laughs> and then it was just like it wasn't it wasn't barely even like a blip on the radar, mm-hmm. it felt like. I was like, okay, well, and so what's going on with Auntie So and so? She's still like <laughs> it was kind of a non issue. But it felt good. Um to be able to just freely say that mm-hmm. and have her accept it. And, Absolutely. And then not only that, but then be willing and gracious and lovely um, in meeting both of my partners, you know, yeah. and and not only not only that, but meeting meeting the boy, you know, meeting my partner's yeah. partner and oh, wow. having dinner at his house and Oh, she fell down the stairs at his house even. Oh, that no. Was, that was less great. Right, right. <laughs> and did it without spilling her drink, by the way, which Ooh, was... Impressive. Really, yeah, well, I, she might have spilled it, but she was still holding it <laughs> <laughs> and had most of it in there. Okay. So, okay. yeah, kudos to mom. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 a fortunate thing that there was a context for me already, but for those who don't have a family either that they're not close to mm-hmm. or a family that doesn't have that context, um, it might not, you know, it might not make sense to share that information. But aside from the family, I mean, there, there are typically a lot of other people in your life, right? You have coworkers. You know, mm-hmm. do you? Do you come out to your coworkers who, if there's a, I don't know if people are still going to do this post COVID, but if there's like an office party or an office retreat, right? Who, which partner are you bringing? Are you always bringing the same partner? Right. Right. What, <laughs> I, I've had some interesting moments with that. Actually. <laughs> How do you deal with that? Um, I mean, well, I'm, I'm pretty open about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on the setting, I will give more information or less. But I was in a uh, theater doing some some things out here. And one time I brought one partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next time <laughs> I brought the, the other partner. <laughs> yeah. And it was confusing for them. And... You know, outside of the not recognizing, one of the women didn't even recognize that I brought a different person. 
she just, yeah, it was super racist. I was like, okay, um, you know, because all black people look alike. Like you can't literally, see me, but I'm rolling my eyes right now, y'all. <laughs> they they were both so completely different, different height, different skin tone, like different body type, of course. All, all of it. Of course. But yeah, so you know, it it depends on the environment, but mostly I, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's my partner. Um, if it's real, a real simple environment, I don't want to go into it. This is my partner. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. The last time I had another one. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She knows about it. Because <laughs> I've definitely definitely had people like early on call out and be like, oh, my God, yo, I saw telling one of my partners, I saw Katrina with somebody else. And he's like, yeah, that's 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 OK. <laughs> Hilarious. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> wow. But okay. it's it's cool. And you get to in a lot of ways, you get to educate mm-hmm. people about different lifestyles mm-hmm. and the, the best part of it about it for me is checking people's assumptions, like to watch them mm. get it. Yeah, yeah. And to be like, oh, yeah, you made an assumption about my life based on what you think is mm-hmm. quote unquote right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you that's you just did it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, reflect on it. Wow. <laughs> See, okay, you, you are a psychologist and um, an artist and a healer. I, in my day life, my day job life, I'm an attorney. <laughs> it's right. a, a very different world. It's um, still very male dominated, dominated, mm-hmm. straight, uh, white. Just, yeah. Yeah. Conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have interesting conversations with people. I mean, I'm not, I'm not out to. Well, I guess maybe I'm out to whatever legal community is listening now, I suppose. <laughs> but, but I'm not out to the legal community generally as ethically non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm not married anymore, if I go to a professional event, I'm going solo all the time. Mm-hmm. So that I just don't even have to deal with that partner thing. Yeah. And, uh, and I do that because... I just don't, again, not everybody needs to know everything. Right. And I don't want to, I don't, there are certain things that I don't want to deal with. Not, it's like, I'm not afraid of the judgment. I'm just, I don't want to deal with the hassle of it. Like, yeah, I just want to go and just focus on have the focus be on, okay, I'm here schmoozing. I'm trying to get clients. I'm trying to get referrals and because of the way the profession works, like that would detract yeah. <laughs> right. from my goal. So I don't want to do that. Um, Understandably. But like my a- any of my friends who are attorneys, they know. But I'm just not going mm-hmm. to like explain to the random judge like, yeah. oh, hey, okay, yes, I know I introduced you to so-and-so last time, but this is so-and-so this right. time. It's, that That's not – right. I don't need to have that with the Supreme <laughs> Court justice. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not – no. That's it's real. That's real. <laughs> so I will make those types of decisions. Um, and I – as far – up to now, it, it's been working. I don't think anyone's feelings have been hurt because it's not like I, I've been in a position where I choose one over the other. I just go mm-hmm. by myself. Mm-hmm. So that that's removed from the equation. Yep. Um, and for a while, pre-COVID, I worked in an office and 80%, it was a small office, but 80% of us 
were ethically non-monogamous or actually maybe 90%. There might've, there might've and in the end only been one person who was not ethically non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. Everyone else was dating multiple people in some fashion or another. So in yeah. my, in my workspace, it was perfectly fine. People were bringing their partners in, different partners in. Yeah. It, it was, it was a very um, opening, uh, open and welcoming environment for that. Uh, so. Right on. That's again, that's not every workplace. <laughs> right. And and your hesitation makes sense because, like, think of all of the, like, far-reaching consequences exactly. that occur. And, and exactly. for a lot of people, that's the case. So, thank you for reminding me that I you pulled me back and made me a little bit more humble when you were like, you know, girl, you're an artist and a healer. You can be free like that, <laughs> you know. But you definitely, like, humbled me in that moment, and I appreciate it because you're right, like, I— in my life, there's space yeah. to be able to do that. But that is not the case for a lot of other people. And so it makes me think a little bit more about like, so we talk a bit about work consequences and then what what other consequences come into play with coming out in your life. And, and it makes me curious about asking you if you lost any friends or had any other things that went down for you. Yes, I have lost friends. Absolutely. I've lost a very close friend. Um, one of the first friends that I made when I came out here, um, when his wife or fiance found out that I was ethically non-monogamous, she's basically stopped him from hanging out with me. Don't taint him. Yeah. (laughs) Like, look, that was it. Like, his brother just stopped returning my phone calls. Done. Wow. So I wonder what that conversation was like between him and her. I don't know, man. I've often wondered, but <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Anyway, so that yes, there, there. I have faced consequences, but on balance, I'd rather face those those consequences. Have people choose to exit my life or have to push people out of my life versus stifle myself. Like you were saying, I, mm-hmm. my freedom, my sense of freedom, my sense of joy is going to tip the scales for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what does Maya Angelou say? You know, when people show you who they are, believe them. And Word. that is actually coming out in any way you notice the people that truly support you yeah. for the being that you are. Because yeah. it's not like you weren't always queer or you weren't always like thinking or participating in some way or another in non-monogamy. You know what I mean? Like, or at least moving towards that direction. So you're not a different person on this other end. They just have more information about who you are. Yeah. And so if, if someone winds up like dipping from your life because of how you live in, then I think it's, it's good to know some things need to, move on, the relationships change and transition and, you know, having people in your corner, especially friends, right? Because they're base structure, you know, for you. Um, Having people in your corner who got your back and who got your back for who you are and you can trust that they will continue to be there is is super important. So I I have to say I'm really sorry that you lost that friend. I think that really sucks. And 
I'm sure there's a whole other situation on the other end that we could have like full on other episodes on about that kind of stuff. But mm. oh yeah. goodness. But I, most of the friends who remain, well, all of the friends who remain know, and most of them are supportive. Yeah. Good. Um, if I have to hide that such an essential bit of myself mm-hmm. from a friend, can I call them a friend? <laughs> I don't know. And maybe they're that's an real. At that yeah, point. <laughs> not not a friend. Yeah, but. yeah. My um my friends that are monogamous just don't get it. Sometimes, like they, they just, know. I'm, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. All, yeah. all my friends know, but a few of them are just like, I don't. Yeah, I don't get it. But I love you. <laughs> there you go. You know what? That's fine. That's fine. I was like, cool. That's that's really hey, that that if that's where you're at, I'll take it. Cause you still love me and you're not over here judging. You just don't get it. Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> and you know, and I that is different, I think, than tolerating something. Right. I really hate when people either tell me that they're tolerating me or something about me or they act in such a way that they're telling me that they tolerate me. That, who wants to be tolerated? (laughs) That's awful. Like, I tolerate a a dental cleaning. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Or like a prostate exam. You don't tolerate, like, a person. That's awful. (laughs) Right. It's real. That's real. (laughs) Anyway, oh goodness! I don't know any um, any other uh, nuggets for those out there who uh, might be struggling with coming out. Yeah, I I think I have been in many a sessions with people who have been thinking about coming out in whatever way or fashion, and you know, a lot of people are very fearful. And even now that, you know, coming out as queer is a little easier, a little easier. Um, It is queer or gender queer. Yeah, it's it's a little easier. It's still difficult. And to to come out as poly or non-monogamous in our society right now is. It's difficult, but. A lot of people are out here doing this. They really are in some way or another and and trying to move towards an an ethical way of doing it, not just to like cheating behind other people's backs and stuff. And so, you know, as you're processing coming out in this way, I think really focusing in on self-love and you understanding you as a person with this identity and what that means and, and really like stepping into it. Because when you do come out, as we've said, people have questions on questions on questions. And to know how you feel and what you feel and to be able to communicate that to other people is really important. And and not just the communication to other people, but if you can communicate it to somebody else, then that means that you understand yourself well enough. And to be understanding towards yourself, to work towards being non-judgmental, because those are the barriers that get in the way of us truly being able to thrive and, and love ourselves in a really real way. 
You are amazing. You're unique. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You have the right to live your life the way that you want to, especially if you are living your life in a way that does not cause intentional harm or malice towards other people. You can be non-monogamous. You can be queer. You can be all of these things. And think about how you want that to roll out in your life. Because again, you are the architect of your destiny. You get to choose what it is you want to do in this lifetime and how. And if you find yourself getting stuck, if you find yourself, if you notice that you're getting stuck in deep, in this colonized thinking, that this tradition is how this is supposed to be and how that is supposed to be, take a second, get in your body for a second, take a breath and ask yourself, is this what I have learned or is this what I actually feel in my body that feels right for me to do? And if your answer is, this is what I have learned, then that means you have a little bit more processing to do because you are following through with the script you were given versus being grounded in your body with who you are and how you want to live. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. So that's what I, that's the information I would give. Okay. That was more than a little nugget. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, Dr. Katrina. Well, from coming out, we are now going to talk about stepping out. So to (laughs) amplify today, we're going to talk about the queer prom. It's coming up, y'all. In uh, Seattle, uh, the the, the event is putting on by uh, Puck Duction. And it is Queer Prom. It's at uh, West Hall, Capitol Hill, June 11th. And it is going to be dope AF. Dr. Katrina, are you planning on going? You know, I am not familiar with the Queer Prom. Is this like an adult thing? Is it a youth thing? Like, tell me more. All right. I will tell you more. As I said, it is Saturday. And it looks like it is an, an adult uh, situation. That's cute. So it's I there's like going to be some burlesque performances. Ooh. So this is a grown people's prom, y'all. Uh, Twenty one and up. <laughs> there will be alcohol and booty shaking. That's going on. fun. Because so. I mean, a, a lot of us didn't get the opportunity to go to the prom with someone that we really wanted to go with. So that's awesome. Exactly. So what do you think? Do you think you're going to go? Perhaps. Maybe. Do you have a date? Sounds fun. I definitely have a date. I always have a date, y'all. Oh. Uh, (laughs) I'm thinking about my outfit, actually. I'm not even thinking about the date part. I'm like, what would I wear to a queer prom? Hmm. Nice. Well, I don't know. I have to to ask uh, the girl that I want to take. We'll see if she says yes. I hope she does. Fingers crossed. You know who you are. (laughs) <laughs> um, anyway, I'm I'm getting a, I don't know if you guys know what a senator suit is. Do you know what a senator suit is, Dr. Katrina? I, I think so. Yeah, it's like a pair of, um, of like pants that are kind of like tapered at the bottoms and a tunic that goes over it. Oh, no, yeah. then I didn't. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's a, a traditional like uh, Nigerian suit. Um, they just call nice. it a senator suit because that's what the legislators there wear. Okay. Uh, anyhow, Cute. so I'm I'm getting one made, but Ooh. I don't know if it's gonna be ready in time for prom. But if it is, that's what I'm gonna wear. I love it. Yeah. I want to see pictures then. Well, maybe you'll be there. 
perhaps. All right. (laughs) Anyway, um, the the tickets are pretty reasonable. They range in price from $200 if you want like a VIP table Mm -hmm. to like $20 if you just want the dance party or um, $45 if you want the burlesque show and the dance party. And trust me, you're going to want the burlesque party (laughs) and the dance party. You're going to want all the things. Um, So the event is put on by uh, Puck Duction and their mission is to support BIPOC and LGBTQIA creators with a focus on neo-burlesque, cabaret, and film. They aim to educate the general public about those art forms while providing space and financial compensation for marginalized performing artists. Well. So check out Puckduction. Yes. Check out the Queer Prom. Maybe I will see y'all there. And in the meantime, keep on living and loving in color, y'all. <laughs>